0: I wonder if there's a way to get our six hundred dollar U.S. stimulus check <laughs> direct deposited into the DK balance and just sort of, you know, save us the hassle of having to move it from the bank account to the PayPal to the to the DraftKings balance. Like, can we just skip the steps?
1: Uh, yeah, that that'd be very convenient, but don't think we can. But I think this week is the week to go all out. Yeah, um, this is gonna be a week where. You can have a massive edge over the field if you just put the time and the research in to digesting all of the news and all of the inactive players and the teams that are going to be playing for something and the teams that aren't. So there's a massive edge in week 17, and this might be a week where I truly could be living on the streets after this week because I might not be able to pay pay my rent after I deposit my whole bank account balance (laughs) into DraftKings and lose it all right so
0: well i i did dm them on twitter so hopefully we can get a response at at some point maybe during the show i said hello is there a box i can check on the site to have my u.s stimulus check direct deposited into my dk account trying to reserve these entries asap let me know thanks so (laughs) waiting on dk assist for the response maybe we'll get it (laughs) mid-show What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 123 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Usually, we just preview the full slate on the Thursday podcast, but we're going to split it up into two shows this week, because like Joey said, at the top, week 17 is a unique slate. It's a slate where some teams are giving it everything in their final attempt to secure a spot in the playoffs. Some teams have already made the playoffs and can't move much in seating, so they will be resting guys. Players from dead teams are getting deactivated, so we'll see increased snaps for some ancillary guys that are are sure to be underpriced on DraftKings. A lot of moving parts, so what we're going to do is... Uh, you know, on part one of the week 17 analysis for this episode, we're going to take a overview look at things. We'll talk about slate specifics and Vegas notes. Um, look at what teams have motivations, what teams don't, which dead teams are going to be trying. And then we'll also touch on some of the developing situations and things to monitor throughout the week. And we will be back on Saturday with a second week 17 podcast to look at some of the normal things we look at, like roster construction, ownership projections. Uh, tournament strategies, etc. So make sure you check out that Saturday podcast as well. Before we get into everything for this episode, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast?
1: You can help support the podcast by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet all links to everything that we may publish this week so articles videos clips etc will all be tweeted out on our twitter at the dfs dose another way you can help support us is by making sure you are subscribed to the podcast like ben said we have two episodes coming out this is the first part the second part is coming out on saturday morning so you're going to want to be subscribed so you get that podcast notification to digest all of the news that you can before a crazy week 17 slate another way you can help support us is by subscribing to our youtube channel at the dfs Those currently at like 155 subscribers if we can reach 160 that would be lit before the end of the regular season so go over there and subscribe and then finally you could join our free discord chat and this is you know a great week to join because we're going to be talking about all of the news all of the situations to monitor in the discord chat, uh, like I mentioned is free. So you literally can't beat it. Uh, so make sure you join that. The link for that is in the description down below in the podcast notes.
0: Absolutely. Now let's dive into some slate specifics and what a slate. It's going to be 15 games, seven early, eight in the afternoon. So we've also got some added juice of a big early slate and afternoons only slate for us to take shots at as well. Out of the 30 teams that are playing on this slate, 18 of them are in the playoffs already or in the hunt. I think that out of those 18 teams, we can say with 100% certainty that there are 14 teams who are going to be going all out to secure their playoff spot or secure their seating? Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, Colts, Packers, Bears, Seattle Seahawks, Washington, uh, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Saints as well. And then there are teams like the Bucks and the Bills who might be trying, they might not, and those are some of the things that we will update our thoughts on as we get closer to the slate kicking off. And then, you know, of course there's going to be the dead teams too, you know, that are just playing for the love of the game. Texans, Chargers, Vikings, Falcons, Jets, Patriots among others. Before we get into the Vegas side of things and look at some team totals and spreads, what stands out to you in terms of the current playoff hunt and how it relates to fantasy on this slate? It's pretty clear cut for me is
1: I'm going to be targeting players on teams that are trying. I'm not going to risk my lineups on DraftKings being dead come the third quarter of the early games or third quarter of the afternoon games because teams decide to take out their starters. You know, it's not worth it. It's the last game of the season, you know, preserve them some snaps. So I'm definitely not going to risk that. So I'm going to have a con- concentrated player pool just of players on teams that have something to play for, like you mentioned, whether that be seeding, whether that be, you know, securing a spot as a wild card team uh, in the playoffs. And I, I think that's what you have to do this week is figure out what teams are playing for what and target those teams, I think that is the most profitable strategy for week 17. But I will say there will be some plays on some teams that aren't contending that will be really enticing, which we'll talk about on the Saturday show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there are two really important things to recognize with this slate. The first is that a team being motivated Is not a guarantee that that team is actually going to go out there and succeed, right? Because there are plenty of teams who are motivated all year and just suck anyways. And some of the teams that are going to be motivated this week are surely going to go out there and fail. Like all of these teams that are in the hunt can't make it. So some teams are going to fail. Some teams could be dead by, you know, the third quarter in their game. It's going to be a situation where things get really interesting, but we have to do the best that we can to be as on top of it going into the slate because that's really what where the edge is, right? Like we, none of us can handle what's going to happen in this late. We just have to be the best at projecting it and and what's most likely. The second part of the equation is that teams being dead isn't necessarily just like a death nail to them like they can obviously still go out there and perform like the Texans have been dead for weeks they're they're still going hard every week you know they were the Millie making stack last week and they weren't motivated Chargers Vikings same thing and teams like the Jets and Patriots who are playing for pride teams like the Jets who are playing and actively destroying their future to get these wins <laughs> so it's, it's just a, it's something to be conscious of I think it does matter in a lot of situations I think it matters the most in situations like you know for the Steelers or the Chiefs who are already noted saying that they're not going to be playing their starters. So we have teams like the Browns who are super motivated and potentially going to be going against up against backups on the defense and the Chiefs could get scored on quite a bit by the Chargers. So these are all things that we have to take into account. Let's transition here over into the Vegas notes section. And a lot of these totals I think are reflected like the top teams are for the most part teams that are highly motivated. Tennessee. You know they're in a win and you're in situation they're the highest team total on the slate at thirty two indianapolis same thing thirty one point seven five we have minnesota uh thirty point seven five green bay twenty nine and baltimore twenty eight and a half what are some of the interesting things that stand out to you from a vegas perspective on this slate
1: yeah, so I mean you mentioned it but All of the teams with pretty high totals, or I should say most of the teams, um, have something to play for, specifically Tennessee, which I expect to be one of the highest owned games in terms of DFS uh, tournaments and cash games. Indy with a total above 30. Minnesota, surprisingly, with a total above 30. Yeah. I don't I don't know about that one. That that might be an underbet which we can talk about later. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a spot in terms of Vegas where you want to target teams that are playing for something, teams that are playing to get the one seed like the Packers who have a 29 team total. The Ravens, like you mentioned, 28 and a half and they're playing to try and get into the playoffs. They're not even a lock to make it. Yeah. Um they're probably a what, 80%, 75% chance to make the playoffs in the AFC since the AFC is So tight this year, like an 11 and five team could miss the playoffs in the AFC, which is crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so just from a Vegas perspective, it doesn't shock me that the teams that are playing for something have the highest totals. But then there's some other teams that do have high totals that aren't playing Something which is pretty interesting to me as well,
0: right? So, for example, one of those situations are the Raiders who have a 26.75 implied team total, and they're no longer contending after the Fitz magic that we saw on the Saturday night games last week. And this is a game where they're on the road in Denver. And it's one of the only five games that has a total above 50 and the Raiders have a high total there. So that's a team that Vegas is expecting to score some points in a game with some points. And there's value there as well on a dead team like the Broncos, where Jerry Judy had like 15 targets last week and he's 4,200. Then we also have teams like the Bucks who, you know, they can move their seating a little bit. It's not like they can move up. There's only one buy in each conference. So it doesn't necessarily mean much, but if they do go out and win their game and Bruce Arians said that they're going to be playing their starters, then they can essentially lock themselves into playing the champion of the worst division in NFL history, the NFC East. So Mm -hmm. maybe that is motivation for them. Who knows? Also Buffalo, their line got taken down by some books for a period on Wednesday afternoon. I did see it reopen on DK sports book before we started recording with a three point lower total it's now down to 45 and a half and the bills team total is down two points as well which would tell me the expectation is starting to mount that buffalo will most likely not be running four quarters of their starters could see Josh Allen play maybe a half or potentially less so i mean those are the type of things that are going to become more clear that we'll be able to hit on harder on saturday but definitely situations to monitor at this point early in the week
1: yeah i definitely agree and just one thing on the bucks like you mentioned if they win they're playing the NFC East. So I think they're gonna come out and try like fully. Yeah. Um, so that that's just how I'm leaning with the Bucks right now. So I think they are a good stack for this weekend. And then the Bills, uh I'm I'm surprised that they aren't gonna run their starters the whole game because i i would think they want to lock up the two seed and same with the steelers i'm kind of surprised that mason rudolph is starting but maybe it's because like you said there's only one buy so the two seed isn't as valuable when it comes down to it i'd rather be the two seed and at least guarantee myself you know more home games than not maybe That's wrong. I I don't know. Well,
0: especially if you're a team like the Steelers, right, where like Big Ben has significant splits that favor him at home. And, you know, but I I could see it. I mean, they want to get Big Ben, you know, fully healthy. He's an old dude. They've got Deontay Johnson, who they probably want to nurse carefully back to health as well. But I I think that it's like directly correlated, right? The fact that the Steelers have already announced super early in the week that Mason Rudolph is starting is probably why the Bills feel like, I mean, they can hold the two seed, you know, regardless because they're probably Mm -hmm. expecting Cleveland who's trying, you know, their absolute hardest to smash the Steelers and the Steelers are kind of giving up in a way. The Bills are like, we we got this no matter what.
1: I think it is definitely correlated. You're 100% right. But how, like I mentioned with the home games, if you look at it now and if the seeds stay the same with the Bills being the two and the Steelers being the three, and say we go into the divisional round and it's the top four seeds, let's say the the three wildcard teams get eliminated in the first round, say it's the top four teams, then the Steelers would have to travel to Buffalo. Like if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'd want to be at home against. Yeah buffalo or at least have the chance because i mean the bills are playing the dolphins and it should be a tough game for the bills so they could they could easily lose and that would be very beneficial to the steelers to at least guarantee themselves one more home game but they're kind of thrown in the towel which i did not expect and personally if i was the coach i wouldn't have thrown in the towel, but I can see resting Big Ben who might need the week off and resting some other starters that have been dealing with injuries like Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster. So maybe I could see it from that perspective, but it still doesn't make any sense to me from a seating and playing at home perspective.
0: Well, let's transition into our next segment here, developing situations to monitor and we can focus here on the Steelers right off the bat. I mean, so they've announced that they're going to rest their starters. Maybe they think that Mason Rudolph gives them an equal chance to start. I mean, Big Ben had some of the worst grades in PFF history before last week where he kind of blew up, but he was looking god-awful. So maybe they think that Mason Rudolph is potentially the most motivated person playing on Sunday, getting to go into his life-or-death rematch with Miles Garrett. So question, over-under .5 helmets used as a weapon in this game.
1: (laughs) Probably go with the under on that one. <laughs> okay. Seems like uh one. I I don't think Mason Rudolph is gonna get smashed in the head again uh <laughs> with a helmet, which was pretty funny to be honest. But yeah, uh Mason Rudolph is, is god awful. He's worse than Big Ben. So I think the Steelers will lose this game one hundred percent to the Browns with Mason Rudolph starting. If I if I had to guess right now i know it's early we'll probably uh get more news on this as the week goes on but i would expect the steelers wide receivers to play and then uh their running backs as well i don't think those starters are gonna sit maybe i could be wrong but with mason rudolph starting in a whole supporting cast maybe he has some su- some success but largely i still think he is one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl and he is not in play this week. And if he's starting, the Steelers won't be in play for DFS either. So staying away from the Steelers this week, Mason Rudolph is god-awful. Shouldn't be in the NFL, to be honest. And we could see him in the in the XFL in, what, two years?
0: For sure. Absolutely. And the Steelers having a 15.75 implied team total and being <laughs> nine and a half point underdogs makes me think that this could be a spot where we don't see Deontay, uh, Juju, James Connor. And I think that even some potential defensive studs like TJ Watt could, could be out of this game as well, which would just set up incredibly for a Browns team that is likely to get back a lot of the players they lost due to COVID. Jarvis Landry is expected to be activated on Thursday. They could get Higgins back. And, you know, Baker Mayfield at 5,500 is super interesting, I think, is a pay down option. A guy who's won tournaments multiple times this year and will be going against an unmotivated, unequipped Steelers defense.
1: Yeah, that that's pretty fair. I, I do like the Browns this week. I agree
0: with you on that. Yep. Um. So another situation that we learned today, very unfortunate, Dalvin Cook experienced a family tragedy and his father passed away. So he flew back home is away from the team will not play in this game his usual backup is alexander madison who had the appendectomy a few weeks back missed two weeks came back last week had two touches one attempt and one reception and practiced on wednesday despite being in the concussion protocol so there's a chance he plays there's a chance he misses we'll have to see whether or not he clears the protocol so, assuming he plays, would you be interested in Alexander Madison at 6100, or did we learn our lesson when he was chalking Week Six over 7K and he got us four points?
1: I think Alexander Madison would be in play this week. It's a very good price for him at 6100, but I'm just kind of interested to see if they'll run him or will they run. Mike Boone, who is four thousand, mm. and we don't, you know, we don't really have to discuss the the player side of it. But I think this is a spot where some of the Vikings backups could get some run against a Lions defense that we know is just terrible. Right. Um, so I don't know. I'd kind of be wary of Alexander Madison at this point. I don't know if I would play him in cash this week. Definitely tournaments for sure. But I, I think this is a spot where we could see Mike Boone. Who is four K come in and get some touches? Yeah, that would not surprise me at all.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. I think Madison being healthy would make the situation really muddy. I I think like the optimal situation for us would be for Madison to be out. At which point, mm-hmm. you know, Boone It'd would be. probably be a, sto- yeah. a stone lock at, at the min price as you know a team with a huge total and seven point favorites against the worst run defense in the league.
1: Yeah, Boone would be a stone lock. But then we also have some some four K running backs that are available. So we'll definitely talk about that on the Saturday podcast. So make sure you listen to that. That is going to be in a very important podcast. But then just another note in this game specifically, Justin Jefferson needs what, like a hundred something yards to break the rookie record. So we could see the Vikings try and get him that record. Yeah. Uh, This is a narrative and motivation week. All right. Mm -hmm. The narratives might be hitting the motivation has to be there the Vikings could be one of those teams where they're still just going to go out and play like it's a normal game. They're not going to play their backups. Maybe we see them come in for like a quarter in the fourth, but Justin Jefferson, like I said, needs 110 or something yards to break the all-time uh, rookie wide receiving yards in a season record. He is, or could be, a lock this week.
0: Yeah, 7,600, it's an expensive price tag, but I i mean, it. God, he could smash the slate. He absolutely he,
1: could. He, they they're they're gonna try and get it to him one hundred percent.
0: All right. Uh, some other running back news. Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis are both going to miss this week. So we have the former Minnesota back Rodney Smith in line to handle the bulk of touches. He's the min price. He's seen six targets over the last two weeks. Had seven attempts last week. It's a tough matchup at home for an unmotivated Panthers team going against a motivated New Orleans team. Do you have any interest in Rodney Smith here, 4K?
1: Yeah, Rodney Smith would be interesting for sure, and he, he'd he be cash game viable, I think, at 4K. Uh, like I said, there's going to be a lot of options that are close to the min price in the wide receiver pool and in the running back pool this week. Don't really have his stats because player profiler does not have any of his workout metric, so I don't know if he's an athletic dude or not, but his best comparable running back is John Hilliman. So mm. you know that that's not too good. <laughs> but not inspiring though. No. I did see Smith on a couple of snaps against Washington last week. And he didn't look bad. Uh he looked like he had a little bit of burst to him and he can catch the football really well. He would definitely be in play this week. I, I think he's cash viable.
0: Um, So I mean, this is why we're doing a second show on Saturday, because right now he seems viable. But if Boone opens up, he would be a clear better play. And then we also have mm-hmm. guys like Malcolm Brown, who could be in a situation where he sees 90 plus percent of the snaps for the Rams with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson out. And and while we're talking about the Rams. Jared Goff and Cooper Cup are both going to miss this game, which will lead the offense to be led by John Walford, former AAF quarterback. Do you have any lean on whether or not Wolford will be able to, you know, elevate this offense to a point of DFS viability? The Rams are playing for a playoff spot. And if if you know Wolford is marginally comparable to Jared Goff, then Robert Woods could be an absolute standout play on this slate at 6,300 without Cooper Cup. And Josh Reynolds as well at 3,200 could be one of the best values on the slate, led the team in targets last week. And Reynolds is, you know, he's not amazing, per se but he is one of the better guys i think on the slate that we're going to be considering at the dirt cheap range he's at least a serviceable nfl wide receiver with a track record of production
1: yeah josh reynolds is clearly in play this week i think at a very cheap price tag but just touching on john wolford uh he is an athletic guy He has a 95th percentile agility score per player profiler. So this is a guy that can run the football. So maybe some low key rushing upside with him. The Cardinals are not a good defense by any means. I just think this is a spot where the Rams could just run the ball 20, 25 plus times and not let Wolford lose on the game because the Rams are still playing for something this week. So that is something to monitor. And then I just also want to note that the Rams designated Andrew Whitworth back their left tackle, Mm -hmm. which could be an important piece coming back for their offensive line. He's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He's been one of the best for like the last 10 years now. So that could boost Malcolm Brown's um, upside a little bit if he is able to get on the field and get back in the starting lineup.
0: Well, how do you feel about Malcolm Brown at 4,300? Because, you know, he's not a guy that we put a lot of respect on as an elite talent, but he could have the biggest share of, you know, individual rushing work that any Rams back has had all year because of the loss of Akers and Henderson, where this has sort of been like a three back running back by committee all season. It's really just Malcolm Brown now. So he's probably the least talented guy, but he's going to have the best workload they've had. And this is like you said, a team that's going to want to run the ball potentially even more this week to hide their backup quarterback.
1: Yeah, with no Cam Akers, with no Daryl Henderson, probably Malcolm Brown is the only running back left in that offense. I think this is a guy that can get 25 touches at a dirt, cheap price tag on DraftKings, right? 4,300, 300 300 above. The minimum salary. So Malcolm Brown is squarely in play and he also has touchdown upside. But I wouldn't expect the Rams to be scoring many touchdowns with John Wolford at the helm. But if they do score, my bet would probably be that Malcolm Brown has one or two of those touchdowns that they score so yeah as that's, that's things currently said
0: i think that brown would be a better play than like rodney smith you know yes, smith with yes. a, a no motivation going against a really tough saints defense versus malcolm brown who should just see a ton of work um mm-hmm. yeah I, I like malcolm brown at this point in the week another situation to monitor is the Chiefs. so patrick mahomes it was announced on wednesday will rest in this game I would expect Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to rest for the majority of the game as well, potentially the entire game. Maybe that is a situation that we learn more about throughout the week. Sammy Watkins also missed practice on Wednesday. So we're going to be looking at a Chad Henney-led offense, potentially some Cole Hardman extended run or you know maybe even Michael Hardman is too much of a part of the starting offense and we see just a ton of like DeMarcus Robinson, uh Byron Pringle and what's the backup tight end's name? The old guy from Arizona. He's going to be in there quite a bit. Uh... I have
1: no idea, to be honest.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Um, But yeah, so what do you think about the Chiefs without Mahomes? Is Mahomes the only reason we're actively looking at the Chiefs, or or could they put up some numbers with Chad Henney against the Chargers?
1: Yes, without Mahomes, without Tyreek, without probably Le'Veon Bell, without... Kelsey the Chiefs aren't in play this week Chad Henney's not in play I don't think the wide receivers are in play in a tough matchup to against the Chargers uh they have one of the better secondaries in the NFL I don't think they're in play I do think Daryl Williams might be in play at 4,800 because I do expect Le'Veon Bell to rest he is the starter right now and they're gonna rest their starters so Williams is in play but I don't have much interest in playing a Chad Henney led offense in a bad spot against the Chargers secondary with Byron Pringle and Marcus Kemp and Demarcus Robinson probably as their three wide receiver set. Yeah, yeah. so that that's where I stand.
0: Ricky Seals-Jones, that's that's the name I was looking for. Ricky seals Kel- Kelsey's backup. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs have a 20.25 implied team total at home against the terrible Chargers defense, so I think that should tell you everything you need to know about the scoring expectation for a Patrick Mahomes-less Kansas City team. In terms of some of the dead teams, like like teams like the Texans or the Chargers going against KC backups, we have the Falcons who... You know, they've been playing hard all season despite being eliminated for many weeks now, and they'll be going against the Bucks' defense that has been exposed recently. Do you like any of these teams, the dead teams, in terms of stack viability or at least bring back viability against the other teams that we will actually want to play?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the Texans are in play for sure, uh, especially after J.J. Watt just yeah. went on that that speech talking about you know, how they just suck, and they got to play better for the fans, and he just feels so bad for them, so...
0: He was in tears. They, yeah. <laughs> like, bro, it's okay.
1: <laughs> they they could be uh, very motivated, or they could just not do anything and, you know, stay trash, so... I don't mind the Texans, and then obviously you have the Titans uh, stack, which is going to be very popular this week. Uh, and I also like the Chargers. I think the I think the Chargers are going to play their starters for the whole game, especially against a division rival that is fourteen and one. This is probably going to be their only chance to beat the Chiefs in the regular season. So I do like a Justin Herbert stack and we'll talk about it more uh, on the next episode, but I, I like the Chargers. I think they're going to come out. They're going to play the starters all four quarters, especially with Justin Herbert. You know, he's going to want to extend his records that he's already broken in terms of a uh, rookie quarterback. So like the Chargers a lot, think the Texans are viable. Not too much outside I'm seeing right now.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on the Texans after the speech and just like we need, them to be good because Tennessee is going to be the team that I'm most excited to stack every which way and Texans are the bring back there so gonna want to be able to trust Cooks and Cutie and I think we can I think that that speech mm-hmm. was important I think J.J. Watt means a lot to that team and what else are they really playing for so that that's important in terms of teams and offenses that I that I like unequivocally trust this week there's four Titans Ravens Packers and Browns I'm especially bullish on the Titans this week. I think they bounce back after disappointing against Green Bay. I think they do make the playoffs. And I think that Derrick Henry gets there. I know that, you know, there was some speculation around how much Mike Vrabel actually cares about getting him his records, but they need to win this game. The Texans run defense is an absolute embarrassment. Henry is 223 yards away from hitting the 2K mark. He ran for over 200 yards the last time these two teams played, and I think he does it. I think he goes into into Houston and just obliterates them, obliterates their souls, makes JJ cry fully into the camera after that game, and Henry's just going off.
1: Yeah, Derrick Henry's a stone-cold lock this week, and the Titans offense is in the best spot on the entire slate, so that's why I said I expect them to be heavily off. Owned in cash games and tournaments, everything. Yeah, Derrick Henry, uh, he's gonna go for three hundred yards, no cap. But just in terms of the offenses that you said you do trust, I agree with all of those. uh, The Titans, the Ravens. I think Lamar is probably the best quarterback play on the board this week. He's pretty expensive on DraftKings, but the Baltimore Ravens have to win to make the playoffs, and they are playing the lowly Bengals. So I like Lamar a lot this week. Indianapolis is 14 point favorites right now against Jacksonville. They have to win to make the playoffs. I think we can play Colts players Uh, this week on DraftKings. Along with the Packers, I think the Bears, who have been the hottest offense over the last month, I think I trust them this week in tournaments. They've been playing well, like I just said, best offense. Mitch has been good. They put up five straight games with 25 plus real life points, and that game could be a shootout. I mean, it has a total of 52 right now, which is what, the second highest on the slate. So I like the Packers. I like the Bears a lot. Other than that, I mean it is just the teams that you mentioned and those are probably the teams that i am going to be playing this week uh for sure every every other team is is kind of it's kind of ugly to me besides the bucks too i didn't mention the
0: bucks yeah um in terms of narratives i'm kind of off of the bears like they just strike me as a team that you know they had it with the win streak to start the year They lost it, now they kind of have it again, but this whole Mitch Trubisky rejuvenation is not a long-term storyline that I believe in, and as an avid follower of the NFC North for many years, I can tell you that if there's one thing that the Packers are destined to do, it's just, it's crush the other teams in the division well, yeah. with playoffs hope. So I think the Packers are going to absolutely demolish the Bears. I could see a Trubisky meltdown that just destroys all of the good grace that he's bought back and all of the speculative articles that he could be back in, <laughs> in Chicago next year. I think that Aaron Rodgers single-handedly uh, ruins the future of Trubisky <laughs> in Chicago this week.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that that is squarely in the realm of possibility right but the bears are currently the seventh seed right now they have to win mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs they have to upset the packers so they're going to be trying 100 their starters are going to be playing the full game so i think that puts them in play on a week where we're not going to have many teams going all out they are one of you know five or six teams that are 100 going to go full try hard mode yeah um Like you said, they could easily melt. We could see Trubisky just become trash again, but I think they may have found something. They've played bad teams. Don't get me wrong. They've played bad teams. That's probably the main reason why they've been putting up, you know, 30 plus every game is because their schedule has been one of the easiest in the NFL. But the Packers' defense isn't anything to be scared of. I think this could be the highest scoring game on the slate Mm. and even if they put up you know 27 points 28 points they could still get there in dfs and this is a great spot for david montgomery too i'll just say
0: that yep it was a matchup against the packers that sort of started his epic run um so we could see that sort of uh cycle come to an end here with one more final push
1: yeah i mean i i think he's one of my favorite plays on the board this week but i'm I, i think i'm higher on the bears than you for sure so
0: We'll have to see. I mean, I'll have to at least play one Trubisky lineup. I mean, if I if I want any hope of winning a GPP, it'll probably come through Trubisky's. He's made <sighs> me some money this year. What a guy. That's all I've got for episode 123 of the DFS Dose podcast. A little bit of a shorter episode, but we are going to tackle all of the things that we usually cover on our preview podcasts on the Saturday morning show. We'll talk about the players we expect to be chalky. We'll talk about how the news has shifted the slate with two more days worth of of injury reports and NFL news coming out. We'll talk about our tournament plays and the optimal roster construction on that Saturday show. So like Joey said at the top, make sure you are subbed to us on whatever podcast platform you use so you don't miss it. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, we are on every podcast platform. So just look us up, the DFS Dose. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, the DFS Dose, and follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. Make sure you hit our personal Twitters as well. I am at Ben Hover, B E N H A U V E R, Joey. Tell them where they can find you. You
1: could find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All
0: right, guys, thanks for listening. And we will be back on Saturday morning with part two of the Week 17 DFS preview.